I took the lead. Where's a good station? Somebody's heart. Glorious. Glorious. Amen. Guardians of Grace. What's wrong? Welcome to the Guardians of Grace podcast. Relax. You have found the right place. We're here to serve. Join us. Holding to pure grace. Again. Relax. Join in with us. Listen on. Be blessed. Fenders of Grace. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to 2022. My name's Bill. It's a new year at the Guardians of Grace podcast, and I'm here with my Long-time buddy, good friend, Guard Dog Steve. Yes, and I'm glad to be here. This is what you would call the anniversary issue, the anniversary podcast. And I am stoked to bring in the new year with some revelation. So tonight, Lord, you speak through us and show your divine wisdom because we don't want to hear anything about Steve's divine wisdom because he has none. But we want to hear from you, Lord, and we believe we will. Perfect way to start off a year. I wholeheartedly agree with you, Guard Dog Steve. And like the Apostle Paul, he says, if, if there's any boasting to be done, I'm going to boast in my weakness. So... I'm going to tell you a little something about myself. I don't talk about myself a lot, but Steve can testify. I'm a high anxiety basket case. Always have been. I worry about everything. Worry about what people think about me. What, Just everything. Worry about letting people down constantly. Worry about finances. Worry about everything. And to tell you the truth, it is a burdensome habit to, to carry around and I've learned there's, through our continued podcast on manifesting. Yes, sir. We're always talking about manifesting the love of God, manifesting the joy of God, manifesting the wisdom kindness of God. of God, wisdom of God. And it always seems to be for the benefit of others. But there's also a reason to manifest the life of Christ that can be very personal to you, and in fact, you're actually not useful to minister to people without it. You're not effective without it. And I'm talking about since it's a new year, the beginning of a new year, we'll have to go back to really the beginning of the Bible, go back to Adam, go back to something that happened in the garden in the beginning where man. Adam, mankind, male and female, mankind, were created. Now, it does say in the beginning that Adam was created in the image of God. It does say that, right, Steve? Amen. So Adam, Adam and Eve, male and female, were created in the image of God. That's absolutely true. Oh, amen. And also, everything Adam and Eve and all mankind needed to live a 
contended life was provided for them before they ever took a breath on planet Earth was already provided for them, that God was going to take care of them. So, so far, it's really good. Really good. Adam was created in the image of God. He had everything that he needed for life and godliness prepared for him. I wish I had it that good. (laughs) Turns out you do. (laughs) We plow the thorns and thistles now. Yeah. Interesting term, that thorns. And we might even get into it later. So Adam could be content being created in the image of God and being dependent upon God for everything he needed for life, godliness, even had a beautiful wife picked out for him. Everything he needed was provided by God. Then there was a tree in the middle of the garden called the tree of life, represented by Christ, as we'll see later. And there was another tree called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And Adam was tempted to eat from this tree because he was told a lie. And that lie is so unbelievably prevalent in everyone's life. That lie is what causes suicide, depression, anxiety, what I had, and this overwhelming sensation of never being content, never feeling that you've arrived, never feeling that you can rest, never feeling like you can relax, always stressed out, always on the edge, always anxious, always enslaved to everyone's opinion around you and what people think about you, on and on it goes. It causes anxiety, it causes stress, it causes ulcers, it causes heart attacks, it causes... My mom is someone that dealt with anxiety. It actually physically made her sick to the point that she went to Shan's Hospital, all these other great hospitals, and couldn't get anyone to find the problem. And it was always, the problem was always caused by high anxiety, by believing this devastating lie. And if you don't mind, Guard Dog Steve, you mind explaining what this lie was and how it affected all mankind? Yes, it was eating the apple. (laughs) (laughs) I completely was not expecting that, so... That's funny. That's kind of funny, huh? That is funny. The reporter's dilemma. So, there you have it. Yeah. Don't eat apples. Yeah, don't eat apples. Now, do you want me to expound on that a little bit? Yeah, it's kind of a big deal. I think it it affects every person that ever lived. Yeah, and it affects you and I. Before I show how it affects you and I, let me just talk about the sin. The biting of the apple. Satan came onto the scene early in the book and persuaded Adam and Eve to eat of that apple that they weren't supposed to, and they received the knowledge of good and evil and immediately hid 
and sowed fig trees for themselves, fig tree leaves for themselves, because they were ashamed of themselves. And in Romans 7, or Romans 8, maybe 8, 6, it actually says the mind set on the flesh is death. And it's a type of death when you are so embarrassed by what you've done and you're so ashamed of yourself like Adam and Eve were. It's a type of death. See, there's plenty of other scriptures that bear that out, but Adam didn't physically die. There's a way in which he did die. Something like a sense in which he died. And that was that feeling of being such a failure. Back in Genesis, God actually said, don't eat of the tree of the fruit. Don't eat the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because in dying, you will die. That's actually how it reads in the Hebrew language. Yes. And that death, as we remember from Romans 5, maybe 12 and following, that death spread to all men through the one man, Adam, that ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because he was duped by Satan. That sin that lives in Adam now is in everybody. Let me just show you what I mean, because that's what we do. We always go to scriptures, and the scriptures give us the thought and teach us and tell us the truth about the matter. But when Adam and Eve ate that apple, sin entered them. That's found in Romans 5. So I'm not telling you this. I'm just reading off the pages of the Bible. It says, therefore, just as through one man sin entered into the world and death through the sin. And so death spread to all men because all men had sinned. But this Bible goes on to say, how could they have sinned when there was no law? You can't. Nevertheless, sin spread to all men without the law, and so did death, just like it said in the Garden of Eden. Because let me show you something that happened that caused this sin and death. And we might even show that there's actually a law of dynamics that says the law of sin and death. Let me just relate two passages from the Bible. The first one is the one that we're in right now. And it says... For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed if there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam until Moses. That's all that time that was free of the law. Death still reigned even though no one was under the law because sin was reigning. And it was raining even 
over those who had not sinned in the likeness of the offense of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. We didn't bite the apple, but we credit for biting the apple, and we got the death sentence for biting the apple. And that happened to all men. Let me just show you how that sin spread to all men and what was going on and why the people would die. It's right there in Romans 7 where Paul says the law is spiritual, but I'm of human nature sold into bondage to sin. For I do what I don't want to do, and I don't do what I will to do. I do the very opposite. I embarrass myself over and over, Romans 7 is telling us, and it makes us feel like we want to die because we get so depressed. But that has been happening. Sin has taken over man's will or his determination to live this godly life, even since in chapter, let's say, four, I believe it is, Cain slew his brother because sin mastered him. God said to Cain, why is your countenance so low? If you do what's good, you'll be blessed. And Cain was given a warning, wasn't he? Yes. He said, oh, God said to him, sin is crouching down right next to you. See, God personifies sin. And he said, sin is crouching down right next to you and you must master it. But we didn't master it. It mastered us. And that's what the Bible is talking about when it says through one man sin entered the world. Through Adam eating that apple of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, sin entered and mastered everybody from the beginning, Start, starting off with his firstborn son, Cain. I believe it's his firstborn son. But starting off with Cain, sin mastered him and made him do what he did not will to do. Very important. It's been stomping our will for century after century after century from generation after generation after generation. It has been, and it's a mysterion, it's a mystery, but it has been dominating us and causing us and causing Israel not to live up to God's standards. We don't live up to God's standard because there's this sin guy living in us. And he's spoken about in Romans 7. And if you listen to some of the older podcasts, you, you'll learn about this guy. Well, he's been dominating since Adam. And he continues to dominate today. It's the very reason people have anxiety attacks. It's the very reason people are frustrated. It's the very reason people feel so defeated. Because they can't beat this sin that is in them. It's Even not though they're making the right choices, choices, so to speak. Yeah. Paul said, the willingness is in my mind. He did say that. But the doing of good is not. 
Just he said, stop the right willingness there. is present in me. Say the other part again. The willingness is present in me, but the carrying it out is not. Because to go back to Adam, he was told, God doesn't want you to eat from that fruit because he knows that in that day you will be like him. Now, he was like God, meaning he was created in the image of God or created to manifest God in all his glory, but he wasn't made sovereign like God. He was made the opposite. He was made to be dependent upon God for everything. And that's why everything was provided for Adam in the garden. Everything he needed, but he was going to be dependent. And what was the lie, Steve? It was that you can be like God. Sovereign. In other words, you can know what good and evil is and do the good all the time. That was the lie. All powerful to do it. He didn't tell you that if you're trying in your own human strength, Adam, I'm in you now because you ate of the apple and I'm going to torture you for the rest of your life. The sin guy that we've talked about so much, that the sin that's been personified right there in the scriptures, that sin has dominated everybody, or that lie has dominated everybody. We can't be sovereign like God. We can't master this sin guy. Jesus had to come to the cross and die and be buried and be resurrected again, then come back down from the third heaven and enter each and every one of us so that there was somebody there who could battle against sin and win because we never did. That's what the law was there to teach us. Do you remember the Galatians 4, maybe 15 and following, that the law has become our tutor to lead us to Christ? And now that we have that tutor, we no longer need the law because once it points us to Christ to battle the sin guy, for us, then we are under God's wing, so to speak. Amen. Could you say, Guard Dog Steve, that the law was a tutor to lead us to Christ because it shows us that we're not sovereign? Yes. That we're weak. And that's not a bad thing to be weak when you depend on an all-powerful God. Like James says, you, are, you sin when you are fish-hooked by your own desires, and they give birth to sin, and sin gives birth to death. He brought out the illustration of being fish-hooked by sin. That means controlled by sin. Your will can't get you off that hook. You're going to be reeled in and die. You took the sin bait. You took the sin bait. Good way to put it, You believe the lie. I'm going to remember that. Took the sin bait. By believing the lie. By believing the lie and trying to get 
things done through the lie, which is the human being is sovereign. As if you could. As if you could. See, that's the point of the Bible right there. As if you could, but you can't. That's why Jesus gives us the moral to the Bible when he says, abide in me and I abide in you and you'll bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing, even though you're willing to do that. Paul said, the willingness to do good is present in me, but the doing of good is not. That's probably Romans 7, 19 or 20. I think so, yeah. Somewhere right in there. You read chapter 7 for yourself, and it'll... Just blow up in your face. It'll ring with so many truths that you never saw in that passage. You'll now just want to explode. Hey, let's just say blow the mind. Just blow the mind. It is right after you just said, I see a different law in the work in the members of my body waging war against my mind. Right. So the mind is where you make the choice to to it's, do good. Yes. Uh, avoid my will. The, avoid the you. evil and do the good. Yes. Y- you made that choice. You did choose. And the Bible does say you can make... It doesn't say you can't make that choice. Uh, he, he said make this choice to serve me. Look what it said in Joshua twenty four fifteen when Joshua said... As for me and my household, we're going to serve the Lord. And Israel said, we are too. So Israel chose to serve the Lord. Also, hooray, good, great, right on. Joshua and their household is going to serve the Lord. And all the people of Israel have chosen to serve the Lord. But do you know what the next verse says? You can't serve the Lord. Even though you chose to, you can't serve the Lord. He's too holy. He's jealous and will not forgive your sins. And they said, no, 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 but we will. We put it in writing. We chose to serve the Lord. And after they say they chose to serve the Lord, you know the next thing that Joshua says? You're a witness against yourself that you chose to serve the Lord. They were choosing. Their choosing was great. Paul, his choosing was great. But carrying these things out, you can't do. In that regard, you're not free to do what you want because you have the sin man or the sinful nature rising up every time you get on the human performance treadmill and pummeling you. That's been happening since Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. It's happened to every single person throughout all time. It's happened to them as well as it's happened to you that you've done what you don't will to do and you haven't done what you will to do. That's the death. That's the death. That's why Paul said, no good thing dwells in me. That is in my flesh, in my human nature. There's nothing in there that's good. There's just a nature that is trapped with 
the sin, and it needs the Spirit of God. Amen. And that leaves us in a good place, guard dog Steve. Knowing this is beneficiary, not beneficial. 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 Knowing this puts me back into a place of dependence upon the all-powerful one that is able to do it. Mm -hmm. The battle belongs to the Lord. The battle belongs to God, always has. Now that you know it, you've learned the secret to contentment. Oh, wow. That's cool. There is a sense in which you've learned the secret to contentment. You're right, Bill. That's awesome. I see what you're saying. But before we get there, feeling that you're a failure is not good either. Feeling that you're weak. I went through that. I went through large parts of my life where I would just wake up, look in the mirror and say, you're stupid. You're an idiot. You can't do anything right. That's false humility. It does you no good. It just leads to further depression, anxiety. But knowing you're weak allows you to become dependent again. That is the image that Adam was created to be. God's mirror image was placed into Adam. He was the image of the invisible God, as Jesus is the image of the invisible God in Hebrews 1. Adam was made to manifest the life of God. That's why we've been going so long on manifesting the life of God. You manifest the life of God and the people around you are blessed But you also, we wanted to start off the beginning of the year. There's a blessing for you in this too. And it's called the secret of contentment that Paul talked about. In Philippians. He said, I've learned this secret of contentment. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, isn't that the word musterion? The mystery. The mystery. Yes, I've learned the mystery. That was the mystery that started when Cain was supposed to master the sin guy. The mystery was that Cain didn't master the sin guy, and the mystery still is till Paul is allowed to expose it, that it was always sin in the Israelite nation, dominating their will and their determination, and making them yahoos. <laughs> I don't know of a, another way to put it, but that, that guy. sin what was tearing them up. That was the mystery that Paul talks about in Romans 7. Here in Philippians, it's a different story. I'll let you... Can you go ahead and read the yes salient points? Yeah. <laughs> power word Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah bill in that salient point begins in philippians chapter 4 starting in verse okay starting in verse 11 not that i speak from want for i learn to be content in whatever circumstance i'm in I didn't know that, so I was only content when everything is going perfect, when I'm in control of everything. Yes. Which is so rare. (laughs) And there's a, a secret for 
when you're out of control. There's a secret. Paul says, I've learned a secret, whether I'm in humble means or means of prosperity, whether I'm full and well-fed or I'm hungry. I have learned the secret to being content everywhere. And he says, I can endure all things through Christ who strengthens me. The secret, the mysterion that had been there for so many generations, Christ who is in you is the power to do all things. Christ in you. If they had Christ in them from Adam till Jesus, the world would have looked a lot different if that mystery hadn't been kept hidden and only revealed when the apostles were allowed to reveal it, the mystery, the mystery of lawlessness, the mystery of the fact that you do what you don't want to do and don't do what you do want to do because there is this sinful agent in you pummeling you and making you do that. For a lot of people right now hearing this podcast, it's been a mystery up until now. Paul even said that verbatim. He said, I don't understand what I'm doing. I will to do this, these good. In his case, he was willing to keep the law. He was choosing to obey the Ten Commandments, and he wasn't. No, and it's because that sin dwells in him. You know who said that? Paul. Paul said that. He said, I know that no good thing dwells in me that is in my human nature for the willing to do good is in me, but the doing of good is not because sin lives in me. He said, sin lives in me twice in between Romans 7.14 and 7.23. He said it twice. Sin lives in me. That was the mystery that Israel never knew. And it was the mystery that I didn't know all those years when I was just saying, Father, I'm willing to do this. I'm going to do it this, this time. I'm more determined. Give me another chance. I'm going to walk down the aisle again next service and kneel in front of the the whole congregation and show them that I'm dedicated to recommitted living a good life when the whole time there was this mystery that needed to be revealed to me. Don't use your human effort. Use the Spirit of God that is within you. If by the Spirit we put to death the deeds of the body, we will zoe. We will have a, a zoe life. Uh, the life. The life. The, the complete life. opposite of the death. Exactly. Exactly. You know, it reminds me of a very similar passage found in 2 Corinthians 12. Ooh la la. I want to focus on this one phrase. Maybe we can explain it. He says, when I'm weak, I am strong. That doesn't make sense, does it? No, it doesn't. It sounds like an oxymoron. 
when I'm weak, I am strong. So we got to explain that. Yeah, because it doesn't work. Shouldn't it say, when I am weak, then he makes me strong? Something like that, yeah. But it doesn't say that. When I'm weak, I'm strong. So what does that mean? It means that when I am weak, that is when I realize my dependence upon his strength, which is what Paul said in Philippians 4. I can endure all things through Christ who gives me strength. So what do we do with that statement, when I'm weak, then I am strong? doesn't make sense unless you see the point of 2 Corinthians 12 and Philippians 4. God strengthens Paul in his weakness. Remember in 2 Corinthians 12, Paul talks about this problem. He says, to keep me from being conceited about these revelations I was given, I was given a thorn in the flesh, a messenger from Satan. What it was, was probably it was a group of people that were harassing him and trying to put him back under the law, trying to say, you need to make choices. You need to use your your willpower to endure all things. And, And Paul, in his mind, is saying, man, life would be so much better if I didn't have these obstacles. And he prays three times for these problems to be removed. But God tells him almost the same secret that he learned in Philippians 4 could be the same secret. He said, my grace is sufficient for you, Paul. I won't remove the thorns and thistles. My grace is sufficient for you. It took the thorns in the side. It took the law. It took the futility of the law to hammer the point home that his grace is sufficient for us in every need, whether we're in want or whether we're in doing well, whether we're being persecuted, whether things are going great in life, we can do all things, endure all things through Christ who strengthens us. We can live life through Christ who strengthens us. That's why he said, I will boast in my weakness because when I'm weak, I'm strong. When you're weak is when you realize that you were never meant to live in your own power. You were meant to live dependent upon God. That's what grace is, living totally dependent upon the the goodness and kindness and grace of God. That's what gives you contentment in life. That's what allows you to not have anxiety attacks. That's what what it seems like is the futility of life, the inability to, like Paul said, I want to do this, I want to do this, I want to keep the law, I want to live righteously, I want to be a good person, and I can't. I can't do anything And until we realize that we're weak and that weakness is not a bad thing because in your weakness is when you depend on God's strength. We went a whole podcast on what it meant to wait on the Lord. 
isn't that the same thing, guard dog Steve? Yes, waiting it is. on the Lord. Yeah, intertwining with the Lord, becoming one with the Lord. That's what we wait for, because in our own human self, we're not sufficient to handle that situation. He said, my grace is sufficient for you. He didn't say you're sufficient to do that. The sufficiency doesn't come from us. It comes from God who is in us. He's the power to do the Christian life, just to live through all the pitfalls and all all the... Those are never going to be taken away. They're never going to be taken away. And so you're going to have to rely on the grace of God to get you through them. They actually test for the grace of God or the power of God to manifest itself. You have a trial and either Steve Lenart is going to try and live the Christian life through that situation or the power of God is going to allow Steve to live through that situation. The trials are searching and they bring out the manifestations of either God or Adam. And it's so awesome that, like we said in Isaiah 40, those that wait on the Lord, and we, we show that that word means to, it, and word wait means to entwine our strength with or his strength with our weakness shall renew their strength and it actually renew actually means to exchange their strength that's what Paul said I'll gladly boast in my weakness weakness. so that the power of God may rest on me what's another way of saying that I will gladly exchange my weakness for his strength amen but if you're believing the lie you'll just try your strength all the harder and that leads to depression anxiety despair despair futility anger on um, and on it goes a bunch of feelings that you don't like they're they're not pleasant not any of those feelings are pleasant they age you yes it's amazing to, to see if you look in I don't know what made me think of this if you look in the history book and you see a president, the way they look the day they took office, and then just four years later, it looks like they aged 30, 40 years because of the anxiety that is placed upon these people that we've given some kind of sovereignty to. That is why the lie is literally deadly. It says, the sin, which is the lie, and just to reiterate it again, what was the lie? You can be like God in the sense you can be sovereign like God. Instead of the truth is I can do all things by means of Christ. Or another way to say it, I can do all things by depending upon Christ. Or you could say it like this, I can do all things by waiting on Christ. You could say it like this. I can do all things by exchanging my weakness for Christ's strength. You could say it like this. I can do all things by entwining my weakness. I don't know if I repeated that. With his strength. It's starting to make sense, isn't it? Yes. Or you could say, I can do nothing apart from his strength. 
That's the other logical conclusion. I don't endure those thorns very well apart from his strength. When the winds and the rains come towards me, I do better when I'm utilizing his strength. Without his strength, I fall apart at all my troubles. I stay awake all night long in despair apart from him. But he is sufficient to pull it off, to to live godly no matter what the situation is. It's kind of interesting that word thorns has... It's a Hebrew idiom, actually, throughout the Bible. Uh, The first time it was used was when Adam was cursed. He said, through thorns and thistles, you will till the land to produce for yourself through thorns. When they went into the promised land, God told Joshua and he told the people of Israel, he said, make sure you drive out all the Canaanites because if you don't, they will become a thorn in your side. In Judges 2, chapter 2, verse 3, he says, I told you to drive the Canaanites out. Now they have become a thorn in your side, a thorn in your flesh. It says the same thing in Numbers thirty-three fifty-five. the same thing. If you don't drive out these people, these people will become a thorn in your side. They will stress you out they will put pressure on you they will put expectations on you they'll drive you crazy they'll drive you crazy and paul said the same thing in second corinthians 12 he says i was given a thorn in the side i was given these people that became a thorn in my side and And they're driving me crazy they're putting expectations on him what they were really doing, they were attacking his grace message. They were called the Judaizers, and they were a thorn in Paul's side. And Paul asked God, please remove these people, kill them, get them out of my life. But what's interesting is God said, no, I won't get rid of the people, but I will continue to give you more grace. Isn't that better, Guard Dog Steve, to have more grace than for God to just get rid of the the problems? Yes, because that is the secret to contentment. Having that grace is the secret to being able to... It is. Just not be bothered or concerned about a thing when you're changing a flat tire in the rain. That's the secret. Experiencing Jesus while you're doing that flat tire in the rain feels like heaven on earth experiencing adam when you're changing that tire is just is horrible a, a thorn in the flesh it's a thorn in the flesh an irritant an irritant but to have contentment that's the greatest commodity on the planet just i don't care if it, it, you mean i'm craving a coke right now just not to be craving a coke and just be content not thinking about that coke feels better than thinking about the coke it does and saying get me an endless supply of coke and i'll be content and you won't Mm -mm. but his grace makes you content knowing that you can endure all things because he strengthens you with his grace makes you content how about being content with your family 
usually in a family, you've got a bone to pick with every single person in the family. I would be content with my kids if they they came home with good grades, and but now they're an embarrassment because the neighbor's kids, they make all A's and they're on the honor society and they're going to rub it all in my face. You know what? When you're content with God's grace, you say, who cares about your neighbor's kids and their good grades. You just love your kids. You say, Man, I am so content with my kids. Thank you, God, for these awesome kids I have. And that's why Paul said, I'll gladly boast in my weaknesses. My, I'll boast in my inability not to be content so that contentment may rest on me. And sadly, much of our praying is removing the thorns removing the irritants, re bringing in more money so I can rest in my bank account, that doesn't bring contentment. It does for a day. Then you think, well, that's not enough. I need more. And I need more security here. And I need more security here. But when I find out his grace is sufficient for me, I don't have to run to E.F. Hutton and worry about my financial you know, not knocking any of those things, but they don't bring contentment. People that are wealthy people and seem to have it all commit suicide for some reason. Why? Because they're not content. They haven't learned the secret of contentment. I got to say, I don't know about you, Steve. Did you learn the secret of contentment right when you became a Christian? It was a mystery to me. It was a mystery to me, but... I am telling you this, I'm giving testimony that when I learned the secret of contentment is none other than Christ in me, the hope of glory, that mystery, my life changed. You guys, I'm giving testimony to you that my life changed for the better. I was more relaxed and I was definitely more dependent on God, but Jesus said, take my yoke, because my yoke is light. It felt like I had literally, tangibly given God this invisible person. I had literally, tangibly given him the burden. It felt just like that. And my shoulders felt a lack of stress on them. For a large part, have had that every since, every since. It is a terrible burden to live under this idea that you have this sovereignty, this power, if you just commit and not let everyone down, not let anyone down around you. Man, that puts a burden on you. And that you, can, that you were never meant to bear, that you're unable to bear. And the good news is you don't have to bear it. That's the good news. With that in mind, I think I'd like to pray for us. Father God, you are the sufficient one. You are the source of sufficiency. When you manifest yourself in us, we are sufficient to do the task. We'll get an A because you were the our source of su sufficiency. Father God, I got to say thank you for being the source. Thank you, because I tried so hard to be a model Christian, 
only to fail over and over and embarrass myself again. And Father, you allowed me to see in the scriptures what you were trying to say, that apart from you, I can't make it, so I should depend on you. I should be your vessel to manifest yourself through me, Father, that people will see the face of Christ in me. That's the Christian life, Father. That's the essence of Christianity. We live by God's power. We give glory by your power, Father. We give you glory. You're the one who has done these things through us. You have done the works of our hands, and we thank you for that. And we thank you for changing the covenant from the burden being on us and to see just how well we'll do. Like Joshua said, we were witnesses against ourselves, Father. It didn't work. Thank you so much for establishing a new covenant where we can be diligent to enter that rest and rest from our own human works, like Hebrews says. So, Father, help everybody to have ears to hear and a mind to understand the verses that we pointed to. Let them have a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that they can comprehend with all the other saints how good and wide and long and high and deep is your love and to experience that love that overthrows human intellect, Father. I want you to do that for us. Move on our behalf, Father, each and every one of us. In your Son's name I pray, amen. Amen. Good night, everyone. We love you. Love you guys.